0: Bed, bath and beyond went through a windmill of leaders that were going to turn it around. They thought they had innovation strategies ahead of them. They didn't. It has to be breakthrough. They have to be real and they have to be away from the past into the future to be meaningful. That is the biggest hurdle that everybody has to make.
1: I have a bit of a unique perspective on innovation. As more of a reporter and someone that owns a media company, I'm a bit more seeing things that are coming in. What I think is interesting is what we're seeing from technology companies and how retailers are able to adopt these. And then sometimes I just look at getting back the basics. I've done some historical research around retailers. I was reading about department stores in the early 1900s and how they had such things as home delivery and amazing customer service and products that people wanted.
2: And now we're in a world that was happening even in 2018, 2019, where the world is changing on us and the new watchword has to be being nimble and adaptive. And that's going to take a a bit of a culture shift.
3: Having that clear roadmap allows us to know what we need to work on, and also by implication, what we're definitely not going to work on. If we have that clarity, it helps us to think about innovation in that context. Just thinking about innovation as a cerebral exercise, it probably not a surprise that we can't be that innovative without some guide rails or some direction as to the way we're going forward. Hello everyone, we've put together a short podcast to explore a key challenge facing many Canadian retailers as we emerge from a pandemic and straight into a cost of living crisis where our target segments may be having to further adapt Before getting into the meat of a discussion, may I introduce the founding members of the business of retail, George Minakakis, Craig Patterson, David Ian Gray and myself, Gary Newbury, to provide a quick summary of themselves.
0: George Minakakis and I am with Inception Retail Group. I help companies grow and find their way into a relevant future.
1: Craig Patterson, I'm the founder and publisher of Retail Insider Media Limited, which includes Canada's national retail industry news publication, Retail Insider, as well as our national magazine, Retail Insider the Magazine.
2: David Ian Gray, based out in Vancouver. I'm the founder and the head of DIG360. We're a national retail advisory, and we focus on helping exec teams at Canadian retail and technology innovators selling into retail as well build the future of the business from a very pragmatic base.
3: Gary Newbury, I'm a supply chain and logistics change agent. I help business leaders deliver on their strategic goals by implementing the field-tested RAPID performance improvement formula. During the pandemic, the Business of Retail Group, who've introduced themselves here, was formed. And this led to a podcast channel being developed where we took the area of strategic importance to the retailing industry and explored key issues, challenges and opportunities surrounding that. These discussions received some very positive feedback from senior retailing executives and hunger for more content and a deeper dive into emerging issues they faced. These discussions are still available on multiple platforms, including YouTube under the business of retail. We've listened to our audience and we've planned a response to this feedback by facilitating a move from sharing in the virtual world to an in-person more interactive and collaborative format. For today we have some initial thoughts to share with our audience about how retailers should be thinking about differentiation and continuous innovation as economic, geopolitical, societal and other factors impact consumers and drive them to adapt even faster than through the pandemic. So let's get this conversation started by thinking about innovation, what this means, what does great look like, why it matters, and perhaps touch on some of the enablers and detractors from developing a process of continuous innovation. So I'd like to ask David to get this conversation going.
2: As we look to a post-pandemic world, we've been chatting amongst ourselves but what are some of the real root issues? And one of the ones that it comes back to me in my conversations with CEOs and founders and other C-suite execs, how to become more innovative. A McKinsey piece about a year ago, quoting, over 80% of executive surveyed globally say that innovation is among their top three priorities, yet less than 10% report being satisfied with their organization's innovation performance. Many established companies are better operators than innovators. And that's something that I've noticed pre-pandemic going back away. So I think retail by nature are operators. And in my experience dealing with different sectors, I would put it right near the top in being able to really execute on lean budgets to make things happen rather quickly, operationally, on the floor, in the store, on the website, tactically. What they're weak at is really rethinking the business model and reinventing from inside out and the speed of of transformation that you see, say, amongst technology companies you don't often see in, in retail. So I'd like today to introduce this as our point of departure. What is innovation in the retail context? Why does it matter? And why is McKinsey getting that kind of result?
0: There's a great deal of acceleration that's happening via technology. One of the things that uh, I look, when I look at retailers who's winning in the landscape, who's struggling, it's their adoption of technology and how they've taken that and moved it into a convergence into their organizations. And it helps them see the present and the future. Looking for data internally and externally to drive innovation from um, scratch. Within their skunk works, they're on their own, or whether it's a, it's an aha moment that somebody has at their organization. I really believe right now that we're at this crossroad, where technology itself has changed the dynamics of business in a dramatic way. Yes, stores still matter, e-commerce still matters, people still matter, but our ability to compete now becomes more complicated, more complex. And I think that the more driven you are to adopt and adapt to technology that maybe is not necessarily your wheelhouse, you find the right people to help you organization organizations to help you outsourcing it so that you can drive innovation. I believe that that is where the rubber hits the road right now. It used to be those aha moments from an inspirational leader who saw something and they created something internally. I just don't think that cuts it anymore. The speed with which you need to compete, and respond to market changes is lightning.
3: We might think of innovation as some one-off arrangement that we innovate, we, we've redesigned our process, we've done something in the store and we're there, we've landed we need to think more holistically about a continuous process of innovation. How do we get this wheel starting to turn as opposed to it being a, we've innovated once. Now we have to wait for everybody to catch up before we start thinking about the innovation process again. These innovation process might take years in previous times. But this is what we're trying to encourage in this conversation is a, a realisation that it's a treadmill and we have to be on it all the time. And there are lots of different ways of looking at innovation, whether or not it's innovation in the process, innovation created by deploying technology into a part of, say, the customer experience or in our supply chain or whatever it might be. But we need to be looking at our business in a very different way than, say, we did in 2019 when life was quite stable and quite predictable.
1: I have a bit of a unique perspective on innovation. As more of a reporter and someone that owns a media company, I'm a bit more seeing things that are coming in. What I think is interesting is what we're seeing from technology companies and how retailers are able to adopt these. And then sometimes I just look at getting back to basics. I've done some historical research around retailers. I was reading about department stores in the early 1900s and how they had such things as home delivery and amazing customer service and products that people wanted. And sometimes getting back to basics sounds innovative, but it's actually just getting back to the way retail used to be. And I think that some retailers may have missed this, particularly, say, a Hudson's Bay or a Shoppers Drug Mart, where you're getting very minimal customer service at this point.
2: Ironically, one might argue that those department stores and other retailers were actually innovating because they were creating that thing that we now call old school. It came from somewhere. And what would be super interesting is to look at the environment that they were operating in and how other innovations around them, for example, highways or automobiles or refrigeration had impacts that were then adopted by retail. And that was another thing you were talking about is the innovation coming from the outside retail core strength is in operation and execution. It becomes hard to do everything well. And I think the challenge in McKinsey's study, I think the challenge they're running into is how do you become very nimble and adept at adoption and adaptation of the right technologies, when there's just a sea of these things coming at you. And I think that management side is is probably one of the the more challenging aspects. But one thing I want to just pick up from from Gary when you're talking about pre-pandemic, I think retail 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even 30, we always heard about lean, right? That was the planning and execution mindset. How do we strip waste and cost? out of systems and just keep refining them. And they were very linear, be it supply chain or how to set up stores, any of those things. I think what the pandemic did was it really shocked that system and made a lot of people realize that that only works when you have a very stable environment that isn't changing. And now we're in a world that was happening even in 2018, 2019, where the world is changing on us and the new watchword has to be being nimble and adaptive. And that's going to take a a bit of a culture shift.
0: I'm glad you brought up culture. So much of this really relies back on the CEO. They are the driver. They are the inspirational voice and heart and soul of an organization. That's why they've been appointed and have been given that corner office, if they have an office today. And the idea is that you drive innovation. And the only way you could create that kind of change and long-term is by having the right culture within the organization. And that means talent. And the people who are in that talent base are the ones that are going to bring the culture to life. And at the same time, they too are also responsible together collectively to identify those opportunities and create the strategies that are going to push innovation out the door that is going to make a difference in the marketplace. Whether you're selling sofas, um, groceries or donuts, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it comes back to operations in a way where once a CEO has seen the culture is healthy, talent is there, and they can identify and strategically develop all the great innovations that are possible, then it becomes operations role to execute all of that. This connectivity within the organization has to be healthy, and it has to continue to drive growth, and lots of times, and I'm going to be critical of it, lots of times the organizations that have failed in the last five, six years have done so because they're not current, they're not adaptive, they're not innovative, they don't have the talent base. And while we're all trickling into the fourth industrial revolution, they may be still stuck in the second and third. And that's a good question, by the way. You know, for every retailer, and for every CEO, and no matter what industry they're in, are you heading into the fourth industrial revolution or are you stuck in the second and third? And I think that is really a critical point of change for many leaders at this point. And I don't know that all of them have been able to look at it that way because so many are working hard to just deliver last week's results. Forget this week, they're still trying to close Sunday. Leadership is key, and it's key to driving innovation, and it's key to determining whether or not you've got both feet into
3: the future. Supply chains is an area of opportunity to strip out waste there wasn't particularly any great innovation in how we did things. we may have implemented a warehouse management system but of course that's just an improvement rather than innovation so as we work through this period and we're faced with an unusual level of uncertainty and increasing complexity as we may choose to multi-source our product from different territories we have to in some ways understand that innovation isn't just improvement improvement is natural we, we expect to improve we pay people to look at things and go can you just improve that and it's part of a lean discipline looking at a part of the process and we go how can we make this better as an improvement as a continuous improvement when we're talking about innovation i think in this conversation we are talking about how do we leapfrog that effort because we've got these three levels of Activity. One is continuous improvement. We did that over the last 10, 20, 30 years, where we learned some new ways of looking at the world, but we applied those in an operational context. Then we've got business transformation. This is where the sort of hotbed of real innovation starts. We have to be thinking about continuous business transformation, i.e., as well as continuous innovation. And that requires us not just to think of this as skunk works around the corner. We, we just have a small team over there just doing innovation for a six-month period, a sprint almost, and then we're back to normal. And we have the reinvention, which is an extreme case of innovation where we're actually looking at our real go-to-market proposition. Can we reposition ourselves completely into a blue ocean? and leave all our competitors absolutely stumped as to what just happened.
1: Everyone needs to be looking at this because we're seeing an acceleration generally. We see the introduction of such things as ChatGPT and and other AI platforms. We've got one with Google now. Uh, Things seem to be moving a lot faster, more than ever. And it's not just about technology, but it's about getting ahead of the competitors. This isn't all hands on deck. Retail's always been a blood sport. and Now it's uh, more so than ever, whether or not you're selling in a store or online. And and, you're getting the store operations right if you've got a physical store. You know how you're doing things online, how are you integrating the two. I mean, these are these are things. Do you have an app? There's just so many things now. Retail's tough. Retailers, if they want to be successful and do it on a scale, are, are going to have to figure this out, put the effort in, and uh, get outside help if you need it. Because, uh, dear God, this is going to be baffling, and, and the world is changing very quickly. Uh, maybe in a small town, something can be done the way it was before. Bigger city retailers, uh, national retailers, uh, things are changing quickly. You you, you got to do what you can to survive, firstly, and then second, to innovate to grow.
2: You've kind of opened the door to the real issue here. And going back to the McKinsey stat, a lot of retail execs now are aware of their need to put innovation to the top of the list or the top three. The fact that only 10% are satisfied with their efforts means that there's blocks. And I think that's where the focus of thinking needs to be next in terms of helping that group. Just a couple of thoughts. I think Right off the top, I find the word innovation is like the word strategy, where we all use it and everyone's probably got their own variation in their mind of what it means. When I talk about it, I'm I really do want to separate out continuous improvement, as Gary's alluding to, from really disruptive thinking. You know, having a having a cultural mindset in your organization about questioning status quo, reinvention, disruptive thinking. What's the future going to be? And I don't know if every organization is up for that. Like some of the things that are going to get in the way of that are resourcing, right? If you're under fiscal duress, putting time and effort into something that's going to shift into the future like that may not be in the cards. Besides some of the other, you know, knowledge aspects and what are the tools. I think the biggest one from my experience, I'm not going to name names, but in in the work we've done. There's so much acknowledgement of the need for change, but it really comes down to in what I call legacy retail, those that have been around for a while with a success history, there's strong cultural barriers to, to really deep change. And some of the people that have done well, performed well, fixating on existing processes, who are now being asked to rethink things, they may not be suited to that work. Like There's a lot of disruption, even organizationally, that I think has to happen to set up for success. One that comes to mind for me that I've watched from a distance is the move that restoration hardware made from restoration hardware, selling furniture to becoming a lifestyle brand through a crisis of their own. It wasn't the pandemic. It was before that. It was the financial crisis, the housing crisis in the U S but Baked into what they've done, they've really become, I think, truly a retail innovator. But the question is how, how and why, and what were the conditions and what were the barriers to overcome?
0: Market sustainability is a long shot many times. And I'm going to come back to leadership and its importance in that innovation. And I believe if you're stuck in your paradigm and you believe you're doing the right things, and look, I've talked to CEOs who have said to me, you know what, know what they say to me? They say to me, I'm in a good place. It, I'm in a good place, they're not telling me that the organization is a good place and they're feeling comfortable with how the organization is running. But are they feeling comfortable with how the organization is leading in the marketplace and are they sustainable in it? They don't always answer the question correctly, but it's always about where they are. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges where it comes to leadership today. I'm going to go back to the brands that have struggled and failed, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond. We went through a windmill of leaders through that organization that were going to turn it around. They thought they had innovation strategies ahead of them. They didn't. And, you know, it has. they have to be breakthrough. They have to be real. And they have to be f- away from the past into the future to be meaningful. And I believe that that is the biggest hurdle that everybody has to make.
2: I could be open to a leader thoughtfully exploring what innovation is, where his organization or her organization is at, and the imperatives ahead of them. And they may come up with a conclusion that they need to be in the game, but not leading the game. They need to keep pace, but they need to focus on other aspects. And maybe it's low-cost production. It could be something else. They may need to apply innovation in, in the right places. What I worry about is that thought exercise not being undertaken in the first place. So I would begin with your proposition that I think everyone should take a serious look at whether they need to be much more innovative than they are today and whether innovation needs to be one of their baked-in values. But I'm open to an argument back that in a case-by-case, case, maybe not always.
3: I have this conversation over and over again, and it's all about having a clear strategic plan for say five years perhaps five years is a good time how are we going to show up to our customers at year five and then year four three two one next six months what is our strategic roadmap of being able to deliver that vision at each stage of the progression what do we need to do in terms of processing, in terms of technology, in terms of our infrastructure, in terms of our metrics, and particularly in terms of our culture, that will allow us to grow in that direction. And having that clear roadmap allows us to know what we need to work on, and also by implication, what we're definitely not going to work on. And I think that if we have that clarity, it helps us to think about innovation in that context. Just thinking about innovation as a cerebral exercise, it's probably not a surprise that we can't be that innovative without some guide rails or some direction as to the way we're going forward. And that that roadmap should probably put us under some pressure to be able to drive innovation and drive the culture that supports innovation into our organisations.
1: I've been doing some historical looking back at retail. And it seems like the retailers that have disappeared are the ones that basically disappeared. They weren't marketing themselves. So there wasn't a continuous investment in the business. And and I think with that investment as an effort. And we could probably think of a good number of those out there, maybe Bed Bath and Beyond is one of them. But the businesses that were say prominent at one time, that may have been even household names, say in the nineties, early two thousands, some of them have seemed to have dropped off. And it's just because they've Fizzled out, whereas their competitors have been trying really hard. I mean, you look at a retailer like Walmart; it's constantly innovating. It's doing new things. It's saying, "What can we do here?" Launching a subscription service for for shipping for products, so kind of like what Amazon has with Prime. But again, with the distribution centers being able to serve something like ninety-seven percent of Canadians who uh, online orders. It's just phenomenal. I mean, it's again, retail's tough, and and retailers need to continue to put in an effort and to invest and and you know it's expensive and it takes a lot of effort, but ultimately I think you know, retail leaderships need to do this, especially for a retailer that's not just a small independent. Um, otherwise, we'll see more household names going under and, uh, and they could be big ones. Uh, you just look back at history, lots of retailers that were around before, consumers distributing, et cetera, they're not around anymore.
2: We've basically scratched the surface barely here with this discussion, but we're getting into the crux of it. And I think having a stronger awareness of what innovation means and what it can do, maybe better sharing of case studies of true disruptive or transformative innovation. A lot of the problems right now come from the fact that when we hear Wayfair as an innovator, uh, I don't know what a incumbent mainstream furniture retailer is supposed to do with that, especially when we know that Wayfair isn't making money. Like they're actually innovating on the back of a whole different business economic model. So I think what we need to find are some more tangible retailer-led examples. Georgia starts with the leadership on down. And Gary is understanding that there's different kinds of innovation all the way down to improvement. Improvement's still super important when it comes to process improvement. But if you don't have the right processes in place, you're improving the wrong thing. And so I think a real inside outlook of the organization is just critical. What a great opportunity to theme innovation as your reason to transform. And I think post-pandemic, if you've survived it, now the next hurdle is how do we transform from it? And Craig, we got to find a way to get more of the historical uh, in because I think we always think we're inventing a wheel from scratch when there's lots to learn from the past. Anyway, what's up next for us is a little different from when we had the historical podcast in the pandemic. We're actually going to take some of this as a jumping off point and explore how we could provide some more resourcing to those executives out there who are interested in this topic or other really complicated or core strategic issues. So stay tuned.